Shalom, and welcome to Via Hafta Yisrael, a Hebrew phrase which means you shall love Israel. We hope you'll stay with us for the next 30 minutes as our teacher, Dr. Baruch, shares his expository teaching from the Bible. Dr. Baruch is the senior lecturer at the Zera Avraham Institute based in Israel. Although all courses are taught in Hebrew at the Institute, Dr. Baruch is pleased to share this weekly address in English. To find out more about our work in Israel, please visit us on the web at loveisrael.org. That's one word, loveisrael.org. Now, here's Baruch with today's lesson. Last week, we began a study of Leviticus chapter 25, and we saw that one of the primary things in this chapter is the year of Jubilee, which is called in Hebrew, Ha-Yovel. And we see concerning this year of Jubilee, rules that we are to follow. Now, let's be clear about something. The laws of Shemitah, and why do I bring Shemitah? And for those of you who may not know this term, the word Shemitah has to do with the seventh year. It is a Shabbat year, a year of Sabbath rest, specifically for the land. And during that year, in Israel, this is an important distinction, not just anywhere, but in the land of Israel, no land is sown, no seeds are planted, and there is no harvesting of anything that grows on its own accord. So we don't deal with the land on that Shabbat year. We learn that that, that produce is available for animals, It is also available for those that are poor, destitute, that they might come and not harvest it, but they might take and eat on that same day. They can't take it and then sell it. That would be a violation. It is only available in the field to be partaken of that day. A very important distinction. And what is the primary message of Shemitah? That Shabbat year, trust God, depend upon God. He is faithful and he will provide. Now, you might recall that last week in dealing with the Jubilee year, year, and remember what we were, were taught, the Jubilee year is seven complete Shemitah's cycles. So if a Shemitah, you plant and harvest for six years you don't on the seventh and if you go through that seven times you're going to be at 49 years and it's the 50th year the next year which is a jubilee year which as well you don't plant you don't harvest and the jubilee has another added aspect to it and that is restoration as the lands return to their original owner and again just like in the shemitah year those who are slaves go free so we see restoration of lands and people completely so it's a good thing god is a restoring god he puts back things in their original order and that is part of his redemptive work and we're going to see that redemption relates to jubilee 
Redemption relates to restoration and the order of God. So let's begin where we left off last week. Take out your Bibles, look with me to Leviticus chapter 25, and we're now ready for verse 18 where it says, And you shall do. Now, some Bibles, many Bibles translate this, you shall observe, but it's not the word for observing. It's a word for doing. It literally says, you shall do my statutes or laws. It's the Hebrew word chok, which is a law, an ordinance, or a statue. It has to do with God's instruction. He says, you shall do my laws and my judgments, meaning what God has determined is right, what is proper, what is incumbent upon us to do, how to behave. He says, and my judgments you shall guard now this is a word for recognizing that the judgments of god his summary over every issue that he speaks of in the scripture they are right we're supposed to implement them and see them and here's the key of the word lishmore lishmore relates to something of value something that should be precious to someone something that you're going to guard that you're going to treasure that you're going to to keep in the fullest sense and we also see that the word lishmore is related to love that you have a commitment the word love in the bible is not always a love of emotion or feeling but it's a love of commitment that you demonstrate your love through a committed behavior so he says in this verse once again verse 18 you shall do my laws and my judgments you shall keep or guard or treasure and then he says you shall do them and then we're going to realize there's a benefit and this is so important there's a benefit from obedience there is a benefit that comes from implementing the instructions of god in our life and he says here and you shall dwell upon the land specifically he's speaking to israel the promised land the chosen land he says you shall dwell upon the land how safely so when we obey the instructions of god it provides security it provides safety remember that and do not let anyone tell you well these laws are done away with no through the spirit we can walk in the newness that the spirit of god the holy spirit he gives to us so that we can fulfill the righteousness of the law and why is that so important because when we behave righteously we manifest god's glory and in essence that's what we're created to do that's what we are saved to do as well to manifest in behavior the glory of god now we see furthermore that when we walk in the spirit not in the flesh we're going to fulfill the righteousness of the law realize the law doesn't make us righteous but the law defines what is righteous and therefore what is unrighteous let's move on to verse 19 we see here the land and here again the land of israel that's the context the land will give its fruit and you shall eat and notice this another benefit you shall eat to satisfaction 
Now, that is exactly what this word has to do with satisfaction. Some Bibles say fullness. Well, that's fine. When you are truly full, you are satisfied. You say, I've had enough. And what this is speaking about is God who provides in abundance. He provides security, but he also provides abundantly for those who obey him. Look again at verse 19. The land shall give its fruit, and you shall eat unto satisfaction, and you shall dwell safely upon it. This is the second time that he's mentioned security, that we will dwell upon the land safely. So again, we see two benefits from obeying the word of God, and that is we will find security, safety, And the second thing, we will find sustenance or satisfaction that God will provide. He will sustain us unto the fact that we are satisfied completely, and that relates to abundance. So we see here in talking about this observance of Jubilee, and that implies as well the observance of Shemitah, we see that God's going to bless. And this is going to be very clear in a moment look now to verse verse 20. now verse 20 deals with a foundational aspect of shemitah and jubilee again these two are related seven cycles of shemitah and the next year is the jubilee year so 49 years of these seven shemitah cycles and the next year the 50th year is the jubilee now we need to realize well in a shemitah year we sow six years but the seventh year we do not so that sixth year better be a good yield because it's got to feed us for the sixth year and the seventh year but shemitah is only that one shabbat year now through jubilee there's an additional one therefore that sixth year has to provide for the sixth year the seventh year and the eighth year and that's a little bit scary but god deals with that look now at our next verse verse 20 where it says and because meaning god anticipated our faithlessness god anticipated us being difficult in trusting him so he says and because you will say what shall we eat in the seventh year why behold we do not sow and we do not gather our yield meaning our produce what has the land yielded the harvest so we're questioning what are we going to eat verse 21 this is what god says i will command my blessing now i want to go back a few years ago there was a book written about shemitah and shemitah is important for the land of israel but the problem is it was taken out of context and applied to the stock market and a whole bunch of other things that biblically it ought not be applied to that god in some way was going to judge punish curse because of the failure of the shemitah year observance well all of that in that book was really 
not biblically sound. And what we find is this. We find that God has promised to work supernaturally. And when we think of Shemitah or Jubilee, what should come into our mind is not condemnation or judgment or punishment. We don't see that. Now, it can be inferred like any violation of the Word of God. There's a punishment. God may give a time to repent, but judgment will come. But when we look at Shemitah, it's not about judgment. When we look at Jubilee, it's not about judgment. It's about God doing something. And what is that? Look at verse 21. I will command my blessing for you. So those who obey God is there. And he will command his blessing for you in the sixth year. And it says that sixth year is going to make its produce for three years. Just what we talked about. We sow in the sixth year and we harvest the sixth year. But not in the seventh. No sowing, no harvest. So we need that food for the sixth year for the seventh year and what would be the eighth year the year of jubilee if that eight year comes at the end of the seven shemitah cycles so god knows that and what does he say he's going to command blessing and that it will give its yield its produce for three years verse 22 and you shall sow the eighth year and you shall eat meaning in that eighth year still from the produce which is old meaning from the sixth year until the ninth year unto the coming of its produce you shall eat the old meaning until that that ninth year comes and it has its produce its harvest until that time we continue to eat from the old meaning that which was harvested in the sixth year now we learn some important principles here and that is this god is a keeper and in the same way we saw in the wilderness those 40 years in the wilderness clothes did not wear out we find that that the sandals even though people walked the sandals did not wear out nor did the feet swell we see supernatural aspect of god's provision so that so that the people could endure those 40 years and what was the purpose of those 40 years to bring about a change a transition a mavar a passage from faithlessness to faithfulness and it's the same thing here trust god now notice it's not by coincidence that the year that is going to be so abundant that god's going to command blessing from is the sixth year why six relates to grace and as i've said many many times we see that grace relates to the fulfillment of the will of god meaning this grace works in my life so that i can fulfill god's will Now, if you only take partially what the Word of God says, you will only have a partial view of grace, that grace saves. Yes, grace saves. Through grace, we experience new life. All of that's true. 
But that same grace that saves, that same grace that gives new life, that same grace works in order to move us into God's will so that we can do God's will. And this is what we see here in this passage, that God is going to in the sixth year, not in the fifth, not in the fourth, not in the third, but in the sixth year, that year of grace, he is going to produce a threefold year. And that harvest is going to last until, as he says here, the ninth year. Until that time, you may eat the old, and the old is going to be fresh, the old is going to be nourishing, the old is going to be good. Look now to verse 23. And the land you will not sell completely. Now, this word, let's mitut means permanently so you can't sell completely or permanently the land this promised land why well notice what he says ki li ha'aretz which means because to me is the land and what are we he says for sojourners and residents are you with me now this is very important he remains the owner of the land of israel now god owns all things but in a unique in a special way that land is his and he says you are sojourners in that land you are residents in that land with me meaning this to be residents and sojourners in the promised land you must have a covenantal relationship with him Furthermore, he says, look now to verse 24. And in all the land of your possession, redemption shall be for the land. Now he's making a general statement. And that is, all the promised land can be redeemed. Now, we're going to see how the scripture interprets scripture we're going to learn the clearer details of redeeming the land and the land going back to its original owner when the year of jubilee comes or when that one can redeem it or when it's redeemed by another for that person in a unique way all of that is going to become clear in a moment he's going to specify these land laws for specifically the land of israel but look at it verse 24 in all the land of your possession redemption shall be for the land there is a means of redemption verse 25 now remember we see that the land in a general sense should not be sold it's for a perpetual owner now that owner is god but he gives us a possession of that land for us to be considered sojourners upon it residents of it but the land belongs to him and he is going to give laws in regard to the land for those who have inherited through him become possessors of the land through a, a god inheritance verse verse 25 the land should not be sold but there is an exception what is that look at verse 25 
for your brother if he becomes low and this word means low financially destitute he becomes in need and the only thing that he can do to sustain himself is that he will sell his possession in that case notice what it says and his redeemer will come who's his redeemer the one who is close unto him meaning a family member a close family member and this close family member will redeem the the cell of his his brother meaning he is going to it's not going to just be sold to anyone it is going to be sold to a family member and he is going to redeem that land he is going to purchase it and the price is going to be determined by how far away or how close the year of jubilee is so it's not just for anyone to purchase but rather for a close family member and we see that principle in regard to the land that naomi had through her husband elimelech that was redeemed not by the redeemer the one that should have redeemed it but rather it was boaz who trusted god who acted with faith who did not act with the eyes of a man but in obedience to the instructions of god he redeemed it so look again verse verse 25 if your brother should become low and that means destitute financially and he will sell his possession meaning his possession of the land his redeemer the one who is closest unto him shall come and he shall redeem and that is what is sold by his brother in the sense his relative he is called to redeem it verse verse 26 and a man that will not be to him a redeemer so in a situation there is no one that steps up to redeem it so what does he do he sells it to another one but after selling it what happens after selling it it says that his hand and his hand means his power he has power that he has obtained meaning the financial resources his hand has has taken hold of and he's found enough in order to for him to redeem this land so in this case he's able to do it and how is that figured out that price well look at verse 27 it says and he shall calculate calculate the the years of his selling so how many years have transpired from this agreement how many years from the purchase date and he shall return the excess meaning this if there is let's just say 25 years left and therefore he sold it when there was 40 years so 15 years has transacted transpired therefore what happens well he figures up what is the price for those 40 years and you deduct those 15 years that this person received benefit from it and the price is now calculated on what remains what is left what is the extra time left 
we find that he makes a payment and he has to make that amount of payment and then what happens it says he makes that payment to the man who he sold it to and then he returns to his possession he's able to go back verse 28 but now a different situation but if his hand does not find sufficiency in order to return it to him return that payment to him it shall be his cell shall remain in the hand of the one who bought it until the year of jubilee so there is a desire not to wait for the year of jubilee if you can redeem it redeem it now and how the price is figured up for that purchase is relevant for the redemptive price that that one is going to pay in this circumstance now look to verse verse 29 it says here if a man that will sell the house and this house is in a location the word is moshav in a settlement that is a city that has walls so now we need to remember something and this is supported for example in the book of esther we see that there is different halakha different jewish law depending upon if one is in he lives and resides in a wall city city that has a wall around it or one that is open there are no walls there are no boundaries that are are set by walls surrounding a particular location a city so there's different uh, rules in this case so now we're dealing specifically with a house now usually what was sold was not one's residence it could be but the partial land his his agricultural land his farm his vineyard something along those lines they used to work the land and here again the connection is Shemitah about sowing and harvesting or in the Shemitah year not sowing and not harvesting so look again at our verse verse 20 29 a man that will sell his house in a settlement and this settlement is a city that has walls it says it will be his redemption he can redeem it himself until the end of the year of his purchase so here he's able to do that he's able to do it when he's able to do that in regard to one full year after after his sell but if he's not able to do that in that period of time and after this year of the purchase it says days meaning the days matter we literally count the days of that year and it's that time should be the time of his redeeming of it until the end of the year of his purchase this shall be the time for his redemption verse 30 
but if he is not able to redeem it in the fullness of that year that complete year what happens if that year transpires and he's not able to sell or able to redeem that land purchase it back then it says they come buy it a share be ear a share lo homa which means if that house is established in a city that is to it a wall then it's permanent remember that word latsmitut which means it's a permanent transaction he has in a walled city now the reason for this is that in a wall city usually the homes don't have any courtyard any land other than what the home actually sits upon there's no other land in regard to it and usually what we're talking about is agricultural land so in a city that has a wall the the owner if he's in financial distress he can sell his home and he has one year from the date of the purchase when he sold it in order to buy it back at that price but if he does not and he's not able to do it in one year the scripture tells us that that sale is permanent and it is established to the one who purchased it for his generations throughout his generation and it shall not go forth in jubilee it doesn't go back there's no restoration of that house in the year of jubilee but look at verse 31 it says here in verse 31 but a house in the courtyards meaning this in a city that is open homes are built on parcels of land and the parcels of land may or may not be agriculture doesn't matter he says here look at verse 31 if the home is in what we might say the suburbs or in the countryside and there is not to displace walls around it it says concerning a field of land it should be thought of meaning the rules here apply just like any field of land there shall be a redemption for him and in the year of jubilee it shall go forth meaning go back so here we have the rule that someone can redeem it and if he's able the one who sold it i'm the owner of it i'm in a terrible financial financial situation i sell that to someone hopefully a family member a relative and if i can purchase it i'll purchase it back based upon these rules that we talked about how much time remains to the jubilee year but if i can't then in the jubilee year it goes back to me it goes back to the original owner that's what it's promising verse 32 and verses 32 through 34 through 34 we see something that's different we're talking about land that is to the levites now remember the levites did not inherit normally a parcel of land they were given cities 
and if my memory serves me right there were 48 levitical cities and here the laws are somewhat different because they don't have a individual inheritance they have an inheritance as levites look at verse 32 and the cities of the levites and the houses of the cities of their possession it says redemption always shall be for the levites now the word here for always is the word olam which means eternal but in this context it means there's always the ability for it to be redeemed it says in this verse redemption always shall be for the levites now verse 33 and when he will redeem it from the levites it shall go forth go forth the purchase of that house and the city of his possession at jubilee meaning the levites although they're always able to redeem it at any time if they're not able to in the year of jubilee it goes back for the homes of the cities of the levites it is their possession in the midst of the children of israel so it has the land of the levites the possession of these 48 cities are unique a levite is always able to redeem it and if he's unable to redeem it it goes back to to him at the time of jubilee and if he has died it goes back to his heir it's part of his estate it returns to that family verse 34 a field or a parcel of land parcel of land of their cities shall not be sown sold meaning this as a general rule it shouldn't just be sold for it is their eternal possession for them so what it's saying here as a general rule we shouldn't just sell it as a business transaction we sell it we buy it back all these type of things no this land is unique this land is is special because it is the tribe of the levites special inheritance from god for the levites this is what the scripture is saying it should be treated differently and not haphazardly always being sold and purchased and then wait for redemption it shouldn't be treated in a superficial manner now let's look at verse 35. in verse 35 we're dealing with a different situation those who become very impoverished it's not talking about those who who have land that they can sell this is someone they got nothing they are totally impoverished and this is what the word of god says for if your brother again becomes low meaning becomes destitute impoverished and he goes down his hand his power his authority goes down with you meaning that you're there you're witnessing this what should you do as he is going down it says you 
strengthen him. Don't wait until he gets in a destitute situation that everything's gone. Help him as you see him beginning to go down. Very important term. You shall strengthen him. And as a sojourner, as a resident, that he shall live with you. Now, this is important because sojourners are supposed to be treated with care. As a resident, a tosha, as a fellow citizen, he shall be treated among you. Don't exploit him. And this is what we're going to see in the next verse. Look at verse 36. Do not take from him neshek. Now, neshek is derived from a word which means to bite. An animal like a dog bites or any animal is this word. Don't take a bite out of him. Don't in his moment of need, his suffering because he's desperate financially, don't bite him. Don't injure him. And some of the English translations, they use the word usury. And usury is an old English word for taking exorbitant interest. But if we keep reading, it says don't take any interest from him. We know biblically, if you loan a fellow Jew money, or we could apply it to a fellow believer, we don't take interest. We don't want to exploit his desperate situation for our benefit. What a great principle. Help someone. Don't try to benefit from their misfortune. Don't take ex- don't take uh, uh, advantage of that situation. Why shouldn't we charge usury or interest? He tells us. You shall fear from the Lord. Interesting. doesn't say fear the Lord, but it literally says you shall fear from God. Now, why is that important? From God. God is going to defend him. That's the implication of that preposition. That, that, that word men, here it's just uh, abbreviated with the Hebrew letter mem. Me elohecha. You shall fear from God, and your brother shall live with you. Just have him come and stay with you. Verse verse 30, 37. And your money, meaning what you are, are giving to him, don't give it to him for, for interest or for usury. Do not uh, uh, charge him, in other words, for your food. You give him food freely. Don't charge him usury or interest for the things that you are, are, uh, the expenditures that you are are having because he is, is dwelling with you. Why don't we charge him anything or do anything? Verse 38, I am the Lord your God which brought you out from the land of Egypt. You were impoverished in Egypt, but I redeemed you. I was kind to you. I was gracious to you. To give to you the land of the Canaanites, to be for you, for God. So he says, you know, I blessed you, and I became your God when you were in bondage because of your dire situation, because of the famine that happened in the world, and you were dependent upon the the kindness of joseph in egypt he says you were sojourners there 
You were, were there as residents and I was kind to you. You display that same kindness as well. He says in verse 39, For that one who is your brother, who becomes low among you with you, it says, He shall not be sold to you, nor work as the work of a slave. So don't take him as a slave. Don't make him do such work, that behavior. But he says something different. Verse 40. As a hired hand and a resident, meaning a fellow citizen, he shall be with you until the year of Jubilee. He shall work with you. So you serve, he serves you as a hired hand. And therefore his lodging, his uh, sustenance, and if he has a family, also theirs. You provide for him. And what does he do? He works for you, but not as a slave, but rather as a hired servant. And his wages is what is provided for sustenance for him. And then look at our last verse, verse 41. And he will go out from you, meaning from being with you, he and his children with him. And they shall return to his family, all of them shall return to his family, to his possession, the possession of his forefathers, he will return and everything that is with him. That's what God wants us to do. And all of that is showing that he is a God of compassion, a God of grace, a God who is merciful, a God that wants to build up and never take advantage, never exploit the misfortune, the hardships of someone else for your benefit. And we see these principles of Shemitah, these principles of Jubilee, all of these being woven together in order to teach us how we should respond. Not for ourselves, but for the betterment of others, helping them, assisting them, and bringing about a restoration unto them. The laws of Jubilee, although today, in the fullest sense, they can't be practiced, but through the Spirit, we can understand the purpose of them and apply them when we're led by the Spirit to be a blessing to others. Shemitah, Jubilee, all of these things were for the opportunity to God to manifest His blessing and His blessing through miracles and through people who behave with that same character that God has that loves to bless others and help them even if there's nothing in it for us. We are called to be like Him and be a blessing to others. Well, I'll close with that. Until next time, shalom. From Well, we hope you will benefit from today's message and share it with others. Please plan to join us each week at this time and on this channel for our broadcast of loveisrael.org. Again, to find out more about us, please visit our website, loveisrael.org. There you will find articles and numerous other lectures by Baruch. These teachings are in video form. 
may download them or watch them in streaming video. Until next week, may the Lord bless you in our Messiah Yeshua, that is, Jesus, as you walk with Him. Shalom from Israel. Shalom from Israel.